0: Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. As a matter of fact, when you hit that play button, I think you made one of the best decisions that you're going to make all day today. My name is Mike Signorelli, and I'm the lead pastor of V1 Church. And in just a few moments, you're going to hear a message that I delivered entitled, Ready, Set, No." But if you're anything like me, you've been to the conferences, you've been to Sunday services, and you come out hyped up, ready to windmill kick the devil in the face, ready to level up, fulfill your destiny, conquer all your greatest fears, and then like 38 seconds into the drive home, you realize that all the momentum is gone. Well, I believe that this message is going to teach you how to create an atmosphere of urgency in your life. Not stress, not pressure, but true urgency. Imagine having the culture of a conference every single day in your life. So I believe this message is gonna challenge you, teach you. I believe that it can even change your life if you'll let it. So without further ado, here it is, ready, set, no. Come on, should I just start preaching now? All right, well, listen, uh, go to your Bibles in 2 Peter chapter 3. So you can go ahead and find it now digitally, physically, whatever. 2 Peter chapter 3. And we're going to talk a little bit today um, about urgency. But let me ask you this Have you ever, now please help me feel like I'm not the only one. Have you ever gone to a conference and you came out of that conference and you were like windmill kicking the devil in the face? You know what I'm saying? Where you're like, I'm ready, devil! Right? You know, and, and during the conference it's going on and you're, you're like literally clearing your browser history during the conference because you're like, not today, Satan. I'm not going back, never again, right? You're deleting apps off of your phone. You're like, uh-uh, ain't going to be nobody's Tinder nothing. No way. Craigslist, I don't need you. I found Jesus. I'm dating Jesus. And you come out of that conference, and you're like, I am so ready. And matter of fact, it's like somebody prays for you at the conference, and electricity shoots through their fingers, and you absorb it, and then you just float out of the conference. And you're like, I have arrived. My ministry must begin. (laughs) Am I the only one who's ever, you're like, you just instantly know how to speak Aramaic when it's over? You're like, that was the best $360 I ever spent on a conference because I am pure and holy and acceptable before God. I'm going to do great things. And then all of a sudden, on the ride home, on the LIE, with the Jesus fish on your bumper, you cuss somebody out so raw. <laughs> so raw. And then you get home, and you're like, that conference exhausted me. And you go right back into your own lifestyle, and, and then you're, like, waiting for it to happen again. And you're like, man, Hillsong Conference is in L- L.A. next year. I can't even be a Christian for the next two years. <laughs> Am I the only one who, like, kind of needs that, that, that urgency that a conference gives you? Anyone else relate to that? Okay, so here's the thing. Um, my wife and I, for the last decade of pastoral ministry, have been honing how to actually create a conference culture of urgency in our own lives. So I would like to, to tell you that I think I can take you through the next, like, 25 minutes to three hours, we'll see, um, and teach you—the <laughs> new people are like, ah. Um, But I think I can teach you how to create urgency in your own life so that you don't need Brian Houston and the Hillsong Conference to pump you full of urgency uh, every single day. You can create and recreate it yourself. Is that all right? Okay, so we're talking about uh, 2 Peter chapter 3. It's very important to understand what time it is. Uh, Maybe nudge the person next to you and say, what time is it? What time is it? You know, your body has a way of telling you what time it is. It's time to eat. It's time to leave. It's a, You know, we have these alarms, but there must be a spiritual alarm that goes off to tell you what time it is. Now, Peter, when he wrote, I'm going to give you the historical context behind the second book of Peter. At this particular time, the, the this burgeoning thing called the church was taken off, but all of a sudden, these false teachers started to infiltrate in the midst of them, and these false teachers, the hallmark their ministry was twofold. Number one, they were in it for the money. So they were celebrity preachers just trying to get rich. And the other thing that they did is that they normalized sexual immorality and made things okay that God didn't make okay. Now, Peter is actually, he's not the Peter that you see getting rebuked by Jesus all the time. This isn't the immature Peter. He's got some decades on him now. You know, he's got some, he's got a gray beard. I don't know if I got any gray beards in the house, any gray beards here, but he's got some wisdom. He's exchanged his immaturity for wisdom. And he's been around and he sees some things, but actually there's some urgency in Peter's own life that's happening because he knows sort of prophetically through the impartation of the Holy Spirit that he's getting ready to be executed soon. He knows it's coming. And so he's like, I got to make something right. And now we are given this book. Now, this is a side note. Uh, both first Peter and Second Peter use different devices in language, and, and that seems to indicate that they have different authors, which is okay because what we know is that Sylvanus Silvan- actually wrote First Peter and then uh, we believe a secretary wrote Second Peter. And the only reason why I think that's important to tell you that, aside from the theologians that we have here who want to take it deeper, Is it all right if our swimming pool has a shallow end and a deep end? Okay, but the only reason why I think it's important to tell you that uh, scholars do believe that these books were written by two different people commissioned by Peter is because when you look at Peter and how much he screwed up and how much Jesus had to correct and rebuke him. I think it's pretty inspiring to know that that not only was he going to get to his destiny, but somebody else's destiny was actually to write the book down for him. And sometimes we get so busy beating ourselves up that God's trying to say, yo, not only am I going to get you to the thing I called you to, but I actually birthed somebody else into this planet to assist you to have it done. That same guy that got rebuked way back when, he's going to have employees writing books of the Bible, so you better step back. Somebody got a revelation. That's why I don't ever judge people, because I'm like, man, I might actually end up working for them one day just take that Pharisees. All right. But anyway, second Peter chapter three, we're going to take a look at. And, and so now that I've established the political and historical climate that was happening now, uh, I want to jump in and tell you what Peter is, is trying to do. He's trying to release this urgency into this, this young thing called the church that just got up off the ground. And, and he says this, he says above all, everyone say above all. Above all. Now that'd probably be important if you said above all, am I right? This is paramount to this message today. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, mockers will multiply, chasing after their evil desires. They will say, so what about this promise of like Jesus coming back? Like, so you're telling me you're going to be driving down the street and he's just going to come back and just warp you out of your car, instant car crash, and your clothes are going to be left in a neatly folded pile somewhere like the movie? Are you telling me that's what these mockers are going to say? Like Jesus isn't coming back. And they're going to say our ancestors are dead and buried. Man, I'm a multi-generational Christian on Long Island. And and Jesus didn't come back for my daddy. He didn't come back for my great granddaddy. He's not coming back. That's what they're going to say. Yet everything is still the same as it was from now to the beginning of time. And he says this, now this is Peter responding now, apostolic OG Peter who's got some years on him who's going to set something straight, okay? So he says this with authority, probably the same authority that he preached Acts chapter 2 with any Bible scholars in the house. But they conveniently overlooked that from the beginning the heavens and the earth were created by God's word. He spoke and the dry ground separated from the waters. Then long afterward, he destroyed the world with a tremendous flood by by those very waters. And now by the same powerful word, the heavens and the earth are reserved for fire. He's talking about judgment, being kept from judgment day when all the ungodly will perish. And everyone's like, oh, snaps, who gave Pastor Mike too much coffee today? He's bringing it heavy today talking about hellfire, but I got some good news. Can I give you the good news too? So dear friends, let's just stop there. Dear friends, dear friends. Now let's talk about who this book, Second Peter, was written to, who their audience was. Dear friends, now listen, DJ Pauly D might have been spinning at Revolution the other night. You know that happened because our HQ is next door, and when my wife found out, you know she tried to run in there and get his autograph, and it embarrassed me. I'm like, I'm not your DJ Pauly D. You need to go get it. It's not this second Peter wasn't written to the ones turning up in the club with a bottle above. Mama, huh. no, I'm just kidding. People are like, his sermon was so cringy. <laughs> I learned that term cringy from my daughter. Um, And uh, But anyways, you know, this, this book of the Bible wasn't written towards that audience. It says, dear friends. You know who the friends were? The friends were the people who had the Jesus fish on their bumper and then conveniently located next to it is a V1 church decal. You know what I'm saying? Uh, um, um, dear friends are the people that are so hypersensitive to people being manipulated by prosperity preachers that they do everything they can to convince people of the pure gospel except for actually preaching it themselves. I mean, the friends that he's talking about are, are, are these people that 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 have a Bible so big that they brandish it like a weapon. You know, like those people that take notes uh, and 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 Then take more notes and take more notes. Those are those people. I mean, this was the church. And look what he says to them. Dear friends, don't let this one thing escape your notice a single day. It counts like a thousand years to the Lord Yahweh. So in case they try to convince you that you shouldn't feel the urgency that Jesus is coming back, let me tell you how he measures time says a thousand years counts as one day. this means that contrary to man's perspective, your mama, your daddy, your cousin, your friend of me, the person who hurts you, the person that you don't talk to anymore, no matter what they say, the Lord is not late with his promise to return as some measure lateness, but rather his delay and I like how it's in air quotes. In the Passion Translation, simply reveals his loving patience towards you because he doesn't want anyone to perish and not repent and miss out on the fullness of what Jesus has for them. And so the fact that Jesus hasn't showed up in their time because when he wrote this, I think Peter did, I think it was kind of a duality. He understood Hey, man, I think we're in the end times. But he said, just in case Jesus doesn't come back in my lifetime or in yours, don't measure lateness the way that those mockers do because you're going to be caught off guard. Somebody say urgency. 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 And so for those of you who are struggling with atheism right now and disbelief, I mean, maybe this is the, this message went from crazy to even crazier, that somebody would be telling you that Christ is going to return. But it's paramount to creating this atmosphere of urgency in our life. Let me tell you about my wife. The other day, it was raining very hard. And it was funny because we had appointments at the V1 HQ where DJ Pauly D was going to be spinning later on that night. And she had appointments to get there to interview people for V1 College that's getting ready to start up. Okay. Okay. Bonus points. You're getting in. Um, <laughs> And so as she was, like, getting ready to leave, she saw the rain. And when she looked out the window, something inside of her said, ready, set, no. I don't drive in rain. Rain scares me. Now, I've been married to her for, like, over a decade, and I know this about my wife, and so I said, babe, I need you to go. you got to make these appointments. You will survive. I'll pray over whatever it takes, so she gets in the car reluctantly and begins to drive down the road, and I said, well, let me call you so we can kind of review, like, these interviews, and, you know, for the last decade, we've really devoted our lives to training people in the work of the ministry, and we've got worship leaders scattered across the U.S., and interns that are now staffers at a large church in northwest Indiana, and Fruit That Remains, and so I said, you know, we're going to take these people down that same road, and we're going to have this process. So let me call you, and let's talk about these interviews before you do them. Now, as she's driving down the street, the, the road, and we're having this conversation, all of a sudden, um, intermittently, I just hear, ah! And I'm like, okay. And then, like, yeah, so this next appointment you have, it's this person. Like, let's kind of, like, talk about this, because I see this. And then, oh, my God, what is that? And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, should we keep driving? And like, yeah, this person a few minutes later, oh, mother of God. And then she just keeps driving. And I'm like, all right, cool, babe, great meeting. I'll see you later today. Love you, bye. And after it was over, I thought to myself, if any one of you heard that, that conversation go down, you'd say he is stone cold crazy because his wife is having near-death experiences driving down the road, and he didn't even stop the conversation. But wait. You don't know that I know is that in her own mind it's completely blown out of proportion and it was probably just a little puddle and she was self imposing the near-death experience. So whenever I heard the crazy, I just waited a little bit. Realize you are not dead. Okay, so let's talk about your 2.30 appointment. And that's what it's like living with Julie. And, and the difference between me and her, I can say that because she still loves me. The difference between me and her is that uh, when she sees rain, it's ready, set, no. And then I'm like choleric, compulsive, right? (laughs) Anyone else? And I'm like, I see rain, but I've got a destination and I have appointments, and it's ready, set, gone. And see, there's this thing that, that all of us have on our vehicles. It's this miraculous invention, and it's just a single rod. And the accumulation of all those terrorizing drops that fall from the sky that stop you from getting your appointments, it just simply pushes them away. And you know what it's called? A windshield wiper. And you know what's crazy? It's that urgency is the windshield wiper of your soul because urgency pushes away the accumulation of all the stupid things that are stopping you from getting to where you have to go. Don't make me preach somebody. Urgency is the windshield wipers for your soul. Urgency tells you what's most important. It's why when you come out from a conference, you know, I've got to go do this thing. So I've got to teach you how to actually create urgency in your own life. Can I teach you today? All right. And so, you have Peter and, and Peter's going for it and, and he's, he's, he's telling them like Jesus is coming back and, and you know it's like he's trying to get them to understand where they're at positionally in time. John Cotter wrote this book called A Sense of Urgency where he said that a true sense of urgency is rare because we mainly default to comfort. Like, it's not the natural state of affairs. Let me just explain. Let me give you an object lesson about how we bias towards comfort as a people group, as as a human. You bias towards comfort, and you don't bias towards urgency. There used to be 200 more seats in this auditorium, and now you are in luxury recliners because we bias towards comfort. In 20 years, there's going to be 40 beds in here, and you're going to watch a movie on a bed. (laughs) Because we keep biasing towards comfort. And you'd think I'm crazy when the beds show up if Jesus has to come back, be like, He was right. There's beds in there now. And our life does the same thing like where you used to have a chair, you have a recliner. Where you used to have a recliner, you have a bed. Do you know where I'm going? We bias towards comfort, and so what he begins to say, John Cotter in this book, A Sense of Urgency, is so so the task of leading a team of people or even leading yourself through transformation, through change at any level, will often require the ability to create an atmosphere of urgency that can be embraced, and then in turn, it creates an atmosphere of achievement. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Atmospheres of urgency produce atmospheres of achievement. Atmospheres of urgency produce atmospheres of achievement. You know, it's like we debuted a dozen things today before you ever showed up to church and there was no real reason to do it. I mean, we've been doing church the way we've been doing it for a while, but we just introduced an atmosphere of urgency and said, this Sunday, we're going to do them all at the same time. And I was pacing the floor like, oh, please, God, please. And here we are having service because that atmosphere of urgency produced an atmosphere of achievement. You Matter of fact, you are sitting in the seat of my urgency right now because I was getting pretty comfortable in Indiana, but I cut all those ties, sold my house, closed my music venue, and then quit my job at at a decent, great church under a phenomenal set of pastors because I felt an urgency about what God wanted to do in New York. And nobody gave me the deadline other than the Holy Spirit, and I responded, and you're sitting in the seat of my urgency right now, okay? And that's not for my own glory, and what you're going to realize is, man, if God can use Peter, man, how much more some of you. And I don't get it right in every area, but I'm going to show you like what happens here. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 20. Can I keep going? 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 says this, You must understand this at the outset. Interpretation of, scripture, uh, of, of scriptural prophecy requires the Holy Spirit, for it does not originate from someone's own imagination. No true prophecy comes from human initiative, but is inspired by the moving of the Holy Spirit upon those who spoke the message that came from God. What prophecy is he talking about? He's talking about the prophecy of Christ's return. He's saying that the same prophecies that that came to fruition to actually bring Christ the Messiah into this earth to be born, The same prophecies over the duration of time that corroborated this idea that a man was going to be born to a virgin and then die and be resurrected. And it all happened. Hundreds and thousands of years removed from the words of those prophets inspired by the Holy Spirit. If you believe all that and celebrate Christmas, then you also have to celebrate the resurrection, but then you also have to celebrate the return. And there's got to be something inside of you that acknowledges the realness of the fact that he's coming back. So I'm here to tell you, whether it happens in my life, your life, your children's or grandchildren's life, there should be this urgency that says, man, if I've accepted Jesus as Messiah, I have to accept his return. And I've got to live with that atmosphere of urgency all around me. But many of us, we get so discouraged, and what happens is like this, okay? Our ready, set, go turns into this. It's like, okay, Pastor Mike, fire me up this message. I'm so ready. I'm going to leave this theater, and I'm ready, set, Netflix. Oh, snaps, it got me again. Devil, you are so good with that next Netflix card. Uh, And then all of a sudden, okay, I'm ready, I'm ready. Ready, set, Instagram. And then 18 hours later, you're like, I feel so filthy from looking at that hashtag for seven hours. Somebody's like, oh, he got me. And then you're like, okay, I got prayed and delivered of it. Ready, set, another podcast. You know, I, Pastor Mike, I've only heard 1,263 sermons. There's no way I'm equipped to tell someone about Jesus yet. I mean, I've only been going to church for 42 years. I can't possibly tell anyone about Jesus. I need another podcast. Just please make it the V1 Church podcast. <laughs> Shameless plug. Okay, then you say, okay, okay, I'm ready. Ready, set, I need a season of rest. Oh, we must not have any of those Christians in this room <laughs> Or, you're, or it's full of them. I need a season of rest. We hyper-spiritualize it. Can I just tell you, after being around for a while, and do in ministry for a while what a season of rest actually means when people say it because I do want to honor the fact that yes there are sabbaticals yes there are seasons of rest that God will bring you through there and I honor that but do you want me to tell you what it means 99% of the time when someone says it it means I am being led by bad leaders who treat me like a Christian karaoke machine and have me play an instrument every single Sunday to the point where I burned out so now I have to hyper spiritualize my reason for not serving anymore because they don't know how to treat me like a human being. I'm in a season of rest. Elohim has released that word. No, you're burnt out and you don't have enough emotional quotient to actually call it what it is so you got to roll God around it. and you know we 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 will give you a season of rest if the dialogue is pure enough for you to actually say hey i'm i'm going through something but a lot of times people have spiritualized natural phenomena it's just a low leadership level and it's it's low emotional quotient so then you get ready you're like ah okay ready set relapse And it's like you go back to that thing. I mean, something, I'm I'm now leaving. I'm bringing it hard now, but I'm going to bring it home. And I'm telling you, God's got some hope for you. But even the relapse thing, I have found that most people, the barrier between them and fulfilling their destiny is just one sin they relapse over and over and over and over again to. Like some of the greatest evangelists that have ever existed on planet earth are alive right now, but they have an addiction to porn. And every single time they go back to porn, a culture of condemnation begins to swarm around their mind and says, you can't possibly tell someone about the freedom of Jesus because you're not free. But I'm here to tell you, if you would be more concerned with the outcome than you being a hypocrite, God can use you even while he's still cleaning you up and taking you through a sanctification process and we can pair you up with someone to hold you accountable so that you can still accomplish your mission that God has for you. Does somebody believe it? Come on. Here's another one. Ready, set, distracted by a new idea. You know these people. New idea. Yeah, I read this thing and we're going to do it. We're going to be successful tomorrow. Tomorrow comes. Yeah, that thing's cool. I did it during breakfast. Didn't work. Got another idea. We're going to be successful by tonight. Then the other idea, okay, great, I heard this information that I got this conference, I'm gonna do it right now and then I'm, we're gonna be successful next week. You know those people, constantly distracted by a new idea. Ready, set, self-doubt. Ready, set, discouragement. Ready, set, defeated. Ready, set, no. No, I don't wanna do it. I don't even wanna try anymore. When I asked the Holy Spirit, what the root of so many people saying no to their calling, to their destiny, to the local church, I believe the root that he revealed to me for ready, set, no, is that you don't believe that by you doing something, it can actually affect change. Sure, you think Pastor Mike, yeah, his preaching affects change in people's lives. And yeah, when Aaron sings a song and I'm watching tears come down people's face, like, yeah, Aaron can make a difference, but I don't think that I can really affect change. And I think the root of it is when you feel the pressures of life mounting all around you, you feel so complex and so uh, just hyper, hyper aware of your own frailty that you're surrounded by these thoughts and this pressure that tells you that what you do simply will never matter enough. It's like the nothingness that surrounds your existence every single day. And you know I think Peter when he was talking to this group of Christians, do you want to know why the celebrity preachers that were in it for the money? and they're called false teachers in this book of 2 Peter and those celebrity preachers who were normalizing sexual immorality that God didn't accept. You know why they were getting so much success in the early church? I'll tell you why. It's because it's, that's what people wanted to hear. They wanted to hear that. And so if you were the kind of preacher that preached that way, you could get a lot of work in the early church and Peter was saying, no! No, because they're trying to help you gain access to something outside of you, but if you've received Jesus, you have this wealth, this abundance of joy and peace, this resurrection power is already inside of you. Open up your eyes and see it. No. And when I look at this book and I read it, I read the first chapter and I read this verse. It says, since these virtues are already planted deep within and you possess them in abundant supply, they will keep you from being inactive. They will keep you from saying, ready, said no. They will release you into a more intimate relationship with Jesus. It's already inside of you because it's him deposited within you. There's seven ways that you can actually access and create this urgency in your life. Can, can I just give them to you? Do I, do I have a few more minutes of your time? Because I, I believe that you come to this place where you're like, okay, now what do I do? This is, and you can write these down. Number one is this. Don't exhibit panic or stress. That's counterintuitive. Some of you think that, that urgency is a synonym for panic and stress. no. Actually, urgency is taking God's promises and letting them breed confidence in you. When Jesus said, go into all the earth, he said, tell them about me and my goodness and my love for them. Cast out demons, heal the sick, even raise the dead. I've empowered you to do it. That promise should breed a confidence in you that this power is not me. It's not my own, but it's in this earthen vessel. Number two is this make biblical decisions and act on them quickly you know there was a season where i i went all the way to the edge of depravity and i did everything against the biblical standard for how god wanted me to live and it started to sear my conscience and so underneath someone else's leadership and mentorship in my life i learned how to make biblical decisions not emotional decisions anyone because you know i was johnny cash right And I was emo, and I made decisions based on how I felt all the time. Not not even intellectual decisions. The Bible says there is a way that seems right to man, but it leads to death. And some of the best, most eloquent arguments about how you should live your life will lead you right to hell. Make biblical decisions and then act on them quickly. Obey, don't overthink. Number three, identify obstacles and just remove them as fast as you can you know the thing about David listen if David the giant killer the one that you had in your coloring book who slayed Goliath was alive he'd be addicted to porn right now and we know that because his hashtag was hashtag Bathsheba and the thing about it is this but what I love about David is he did this. He removed obstacles fast. He, he immediately repented. He immediately turned the other way and responded to the heart of God for his life. If you can be a little bit more immediate, it doesn't say feel sorry for yourself first, it says repent and turn first, right? Number four, establish an outcome-based culture instead of a task-based culture. What does that mean? Listen. We're not preaching for the income, we're preaching for the outcome. Don't let me get fired up now. Outcome-based culture, it means this. You're so focused on what's going to happen that you diminish freaking out over all the tasks that it's gonna actually require to make it happen. I was so obsessed with the idea of you sitting in this seat, listening to this podcast, watching it online, and hearing the good news that Jesus had for your life, and you getting free and doing double and triple and quadruple anything I could ever do with my own life that I got so consumed with that outcome that I surrendered everything to come out here and do it. Establish an outcome focused. What's at stake? Number five is this, exhibit urgency in your body language. Here's another way of saying it, don't shuffle, hustle. Don't shuffle, hustle. What does that mean? Let the Holy Spirit animate your body. Worship with your arms. Worship with your movements throughout the week. I mean, you know, let somebody feel the power of God emanating from outside your body with the way that you animate it. Exhibit that urgency in your body language. Here's an urgency. My hand is always ready to pray. My mouth is always ready to deliver the word. Like, there's an urgency animated in my body. Number six. Find reasons to celebrate small successes and communicate them far and wide. We had somebody tell us that they invited a family member last week and their family member came to church. That's a small success, but I'll take a might come over I won't come any day of the week. Am I right? And we celebrate those small successes. And as we do that, we begin to increase the urgency. This is what Julie and I have done. When we had a failed marriage, we used to celebrate. We sat next to each other and did it fight. And then we begin to build this sense of urgency. I want to get back to that place again so we can get better at loving on each other. And number seven is this, and this one's a heavy one to me. Clarify the consequences of inaction. Let me clarify the consequences of an action to you right now if you don't do what god's destined you to do there are many lives on the line the other day i had to go get a suit because i was getting ready to marry someone else and do that ceremony and i was getting my whole body like measured because apparently i'm weird shaping enough for there not to be a standard suit size for my neck And, uh, you know, so this guy was measuring me, and we started talking and just sharing, and I was in Queens down the street from where I live, and I I said, um, hey, man, you know, how's it going? Do you like your job? Small talking. And then finally, um, I said, hey, I want to tell you something weird. Believe it or not, I'm actually a pastor. I'm a Christian. I love Jesus, and like, I'm here just trying to tell people about that. And I thought I was going to start evangelizing him. That's what we call it, like telling him about Jesus. And I, you know, I kind of go on that journey and 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 whatever. And then he goes, "Wow, that's weird." And I'm like, "What do you mean?" And he said, "Well, I'm a Christian, but um, I used to go to church all the time. And not only that, but I used to actually be on the worship team." And I'm like, "Whoa, that's crazy." Well, what happened? And he goes, "You know, I experienced some church hurt." And some things went down and i just left the church and i never came back and now i'm just working at this place and whatever and all of a sudden i begin to well up with tears because i was like man i'm standing in a divine appointment right now and see if the only stage for my christianity is this one i'm not a true christian but this stage is is every single place that I walk, trusting that God's got something for me and I'm focused on that. And and for you, it's like, you know, people are like, how many campuses do you have for V1 Church? Oh, about 300 of them. What do you mean? When we release people from this movie theater, everywhere they put their feet, they're an ambassador of this atmosphere of urgency that says Jesus is coming back and if it doesn't happen in my lifetime, I've got to let you know about the man. And I told this guy, I said, you know what's crazy, dude? I'm in a divine appointment with you right now and I am gonna freak you out. You left the church, but the church didn't leave you. I'm here right now. I don't care what you went through, but God can restore it. And I said, you know what? We're launching another location right down the street. And I think I got a spot for you to sing for Jesus and lead on the worship team again. What do you think about that? And that's what kind of church we are nobody's safe around me nobody's safe around you I'm locked and loaded with the truth and I'm ready to spray this anywhere I walk and you know what happened he started to get real weepy and started to cry and then he walked away and he was like oh dude I can't do this I gotta walk away and I'm like you work here dude you're stuck with me I'm a customer That's the consequences of inaction. Because every time a story like that happens, there's two questions that arise in my mind. One, the first question I always ask is, man, God, how could I be a participant in something that awesome? Thank you for your grace. But the second question I always ask is, what if I never showed up? What if I never opened my mouth? What if I didn't understand the urgency of the times? What if I didn't know what time it was spiritually? All of a sudden, urgent, urgency happens when you believe something, but so does stagnation. You got to change the belief. Peter was sensing this this need to change a belief and said, it's already inside of you if you would access the power. And I'm telling you here, here's what I wanna leave you with. If you will recognize what's been deposited inside of you and begin to say, God, could it be me through my failures? Could it be me through my mistakes that you wanna use to do great things? Could it be me, God, the one who got divorced? Could it be me, the one who went to jail? Could it be me, God? Could there be something of worth inside of me If you will begin to swap out that belief, all of a sudden, ready, set, no, will be. be, This is what you're gonna get. You ready? Who's ready? Ready, set, restored. Ready, set, refreshed. Ready, set, true rest. Ready, set, forgiven. Ready, set, is forgotten devil. Ready, set, breakthrough. Ready, set, gone. Ready, set, I'm going again. Ready, set, I'm making a legacy. Ready, set, go. 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 Is there anyone here who wants to receive ready, set, go? Would you stand up on your feet if you're not on your feet already? Hey, thanks for listening. This is Pastor Mike coming at you with a special message at the end of the message, and here's why. If you got this far into the podcast episode, I believe your entire life has changed. Now let me explain. When something changes in your thinking, it changes behavior, and changed behavior equals a changed life. God is already at work because He's at work in your mind. Now, I want to do something. I want to put a special challenge out. If you have received value as a result of listening to this podcast, I want you to do me a favor right now and help me out. I want you to grab the link and I want you to jump on Facebook, Instagram, and use your social to start telling people about it so that their lives can be transformed as well. Personally, text people this episode or other episodes and let them know. Let's get loud, people. And if you want more information about our church, our service times, our locations, and how you can get more involved, head on over right now to www.v1.church. All right, family, I will see you next week.